Okay, good evening. And Shushik um, Mestrop, I was just blown away by uh, your testimony. I, it's wonderful. And I'm, so and I'm sure I speak on behalf of everyone when I say that we really share in that joy. Because I can't imagine what it must be like to live with that pain for so many years. So really, I'm just thrilled. Praise God. Let's pray. Father God, we believe that you are a God who is alive. And we believe that you are here. And we believe that you can speak and act. And Father, we pray, Lord, that we would receive something straight from your heart this evening that would challenge us to become more like you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, Dad said a bit about our family at the beginning. Um, and I can definitely say I'm the least, the least sporty member of our family. I don't understand what happened to that gene which everyone else in my family had. But it me by. Even Luke has the gene and he's only two. <laughs> but I don't have the gene. But um, from what I know about sport, I know one thing. That in athletics, there's two types of race. There's a short run and there's a long distance run. So you have short sprints like the 100 meters or the 200 meters and you have the long distance like the 1500 meters. And I'm no good at either. <laughs> but the Apostle Paul tells us that uh, life and the Christian life in particular is like a race. And he uses all kinds of athletic imagery. And I think one thing is very clear from what he says is that the Christian life isn't the short kind of race. It's not the 100 meter dash. In fact, he presents quite the opposite. It's a long, it's a long haul, a long distance run. It's like a marathon. And it requires endurance. And it makes little difference how well you can run the 100 meters if the race is 1500. So, God has a life for us which requires endurance. It's the 100 meters that looks glamorous. Yes. It's instant, it's quick. And the Olympic gold is a superstar. 
1500 meters doesn't have the same kind of glamour really. It's, um, it requires a different kind of skill that doesn't seem so flashy. But God wants us to be followers of him who are ready to go the whole distance. He doesn't want people to bow out after the 100 meters. He wants to see us finish strong. To begin strong and more importantly finish strong. And it's really exciting to hear testimonies. Everyone loves hearing testimonies. Mesrop's testimony today was fantastic. I'll remember it for weeks and months. And it's wonderful to hear how people come to faith in God. New beginning. But I get personally more excited and more um, inspired when I hear the testimony of someone who's been a Christian for a really long time and has managed to keep his faith or her faith through the ups and the downs of life. There's something really meaningful and powerful in the testimony of someone who's kept the faith through decades of hardships. Because I believe God delights in giving people a new start. But his even greater delight is seeing you finish strong. He delights in new beginnings always. But his greater delight is how you finish. And I've been challenged about what the Bible says about finishing this race of life strong. And we look at the Apostle Paul and, and how he endured until the very end to receive the crown of life. And I look back on my um, 20s and I see that in many ways I was running a sprint. And it was wonderful. And God did some incredible things. But I think I need to make some changes in my life, change my uh, running style, and get ready for uh, something which is a bit longer haul. So God delights in new beginnings, but the greater delight is in seeing how you finish strong. We're going to read a passage from Hebrews that uh, you'll all know. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. I'll read it in English and then in Armenian. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Paul, the writer of Hebrews, is calling us to run with perseverance. To throw off the things which hinder us from running that race well and to throw off the things which entangle us and hold us back. What are we running towards? What's the final goal? What's finishing strong look like? Because God has a plan to conform us to the likeness of His Son. That's the ultimate purpose of the race, to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ, and God will not quit in relation to that purpose. And He knows the only way that's going to happen for you and I is if we learn the lesson of perseverance. It's really not a very exciting topic when you hear the word. Let's talk about perseverance. It can't even compete with messages on victory and healing and power and love. It won't win that, that spiritual beauty parade. <laughs> but it's very clear that God knows that without it, we're not going to finish strong. And the scripture is full of references to perseverance. 
We read that perseverance is evidence that someone has been fully reconciled to God. We read in John that it's evidence that someone truly belongs to Christ if they persevere. The Bible calls us to persevere in many things in seeking God in waiting upon God persevering in prayer persevering in doing good persevering in persecution the Bible also tells us how we are to persevere. In Psalms, we read about perseverance coming through power that God grants. In John, we read about perseverance coming through the person of Christ. In Luke, we read, in Luke we read that Jesus intercedes for us that we may persevere. And in 1 Peter we read about how God grants the gift of faith to help us persevere. Why so much emphasis on perseverance? Why is it so pervasive through God's word? Because God knows trials will come and because God knows about perseverance we won't finish strong. But because I think God knows how hard it is for all of us to persevere. It's not easy to persevere and finish strong. The The Bible hints to us that few will persevere and finish well. We read about the church in Ephesus whose love has grown cold for God. Jesus tells the church in Ephesus and we, we read how the, uh, the seed can fall in rocky soil which sprouts up quickly just like a 100 meter sprinter but when the, the heat comes it withers away so I think God reminds us so much about perseverance because he knows how hard it is for us and he knows just as we read in Hebrews that there are things which come and hinder and there is sin which comes and entangles us web that kind of surrounds you and, and holds you back and when, when the writer of the Hebrews wrote this scripture, he had in mind, or she had in mind, um, the, the races that used to happen in Roman times. 
եւ հիբրուզի գրողը նա գրել է այս գիրքը հիշելով անդրադառնալով այդ ժամանակվա հռոմեական մրցություններին and uh, in, in ancient in ancient rome when races took place athletes would run completely naked they would take off all all their clothing հին ժամանակ հռոմեական ժամանակ մարզիկներ երբ որ պատրաստում են մրցության մասնակցելու իրանց հագուստները բոլորովին հանում են եւ մերկ էին մասնակցում and the uh, the idea behind that as you can imagine is that the less they have on them the less resistance they have and the more efficiently they can run the more the more quickly they can run եւ մեր կանալու նպատակը այն էր որ ինչ քան որ նրանք թեթև ու հանգիստն են այնքան ավելի լավ կվազեն so the race began with a strip and in the same way god wants us and the right of the hebrews is calling us to remove the things which are holding us from running well and running to the end and finishing well եւ հիբրուզի գրողներ մեր նույն ձևով մեզից խնդրում է որ այն բաները որ արգելք է լինում մենք այս մրցությունը լավ շարունակելու դրանք հեռացնենք վերցնենք մեր կյանքը just as the roman athlete who is heavily clothed can't compete with the guy who's running naked So can we not compete with the athlete who has removed from himself those sinful things which hold him back from living a victorious Christian life? So in this portion of scripture the writer uh, had a specific intention when he's talking about removing things which hinder us he was addressing um, the problem of jewish legalism in the community of believers es masavor grvatser et jamanakva grogo uzmer batsatrel hryanerin vor nrank legalistik kapanknerov kogpvatseli so in that context there were believers from a jewish background who had come to faith in jesus but who still allowed jewish legalistic traditions and tendencies to hold them back from walking the christian life in an effective way So it's a very specific example of what was hindering them from running effectively. Hold us back from running with endurance. Եվ եթե միևնույն օրինակ վերցնենք մեր կյանքի մեջ կտեսնենք որ շատ բաներ կան որ արգելք են լինում մեզ լավ վազելու ասությունն մենք տեսնում ենք որ սուրբ գիրքը ամեն բանալիները տալիս է մեզի որ մենք կարողանանք զորավոր կերպով շաշնակներ Եվ շատ տարբեր գախնիկներ կան որ մենք կարող ենք զորավոր կերպով վերջացնելու And hopefully if we can look at these and be free 
from these, if we can remove these burdens from our lives, then we can run more effectively and we have a greater chance of, of reaching that finish line uh, with victory. Եթե մենք ըմբռնենք սրանք եւ անդրադառնանք, հույս ունեմ, որ կկարողանանք ավելի հաջող ձևով վազենք եւ ավելի լավ ձևով հաղթական լինել։ The first is letting go of pain of the past. Առաջին են է, որ մեր անցյալի ցավերը մոռացության տանք։ And I think people who persevere are people who have managed to let go of pain from the past. Եվ նրանք որ կարողանում են հարատևել այն անձնավորություններն որ անցյալի ցավերը մոռացության են տվել The burden of past hurt անցյալի ցավերը The burden of everything they've carried with them from the day they were born to this day Են բերերը են ցավեր որ իրանց ծնված օրերից վերցել են իրանց ուսերի վրա մինչև հիմա Wounded relationships Regrets that fester deep in the soul. Negative feelings, bitterness. Uh, desire for vengeance towards people who have hurt you. All these things come from, from the past. And none of us is protected from any of these things. But these things have a really unpleasant way of manifesting themselves in unexpected moments. Just when you think that you haven't thought about it for a while, some small thing can happen that just triggers a disproportionately angry response in you. And pain from the past is never really gone until it's addressed and dealt with. And if it's not dealt with, that worry and fear is like an invisible burden on your shoulders all the time. And how can you run? How can you run a marathon race with endurance, with burdens on your back, which come from years and years ago? It doesn't work. You'll be worn down. And there'll be times when you want to give up and, and just fall out the race. Pain from the past is often something which entangles and hinders. And unforgiveness and resentment and all kinds of dark impulses we have um, from people who have hurt us um, are a very real burden. This might seem like some kind of psycho babble, some kind of psychological talk. But these are all things that we see in the Bible. Look at the life of Joseph. A young man who... Uh, who was almost murdered by his brothers because they were jealous of him. 
But at the last minute, his eldest brother Reuben stepped in and saved him from death. Instead of killing him, they sold him into slavery to Egypt. And Joseph grew up in slavery, uh, in imprisonment in uh, in Egypt before um, God brought him out of that situation and through a series of remarkable events he became a leader in that country. And anyone had a reason, a justifiable right to be filled with bitterness, it was Joseph. And But in the most remarkable way, the story culminates in his brothers years later coming before him in Egypt. And they come before him, they don't know who it is they're coming before. They don't know Joseph has become a leader of Egypt. But Joseph recognizes them. And he initially makes it hard for them. And it's very interesting what the Bible says. Initially, Joseph doesn't respond to their need. They've come for food because there's famine in their country. Initially, Joseph doesn't give them what they're looking for. And their immediate reaction is, amongst each other, if you read the, pa- the passage in Genesis, is surely we are not getting the food we need because years ago we sinned against our brother Joseph. Unsettled memories. Wrongs that were not made right. Wrongs that were not made right. Relationships which hadn't been repaired. They weren't far beneath the surface. As soon as something went wrong, the impulse of the brothers was, it must be what we did to Joseph years ago, cursing us, coming after us. And that's how it is with us in our life, I think. Sometimes things from our past, which we think are long gone and long buried, somehow come to our minds and uh, and haunt us mm-hmm. when other things are not working as well as we'd like. Yeah. Yeah. Joseph embraces his brothers. And there's pain. He weeps. But the Bible tells us he forgives and he speaks kindly to them. Those are the actions of someone who has, who has dealt with his past, who's repaired his past. Joseph is, Joseph is very much set out as one of the champions of faith in the Bible. 
How easily he could have given in to bitterness and resentment and hatred and just had a shriveled up soul. And I think most people would say, most people say he had every absolute right to do that. But he chose the harder path. The unnatural path. The right path which involves laying down your rights. The path which goes against what everyone else is saying around you. And he chose to forgive and allow God to, to heal. And who knows what have happened to Joseph if he hadn't done that. He might have completely fallen away. We don't know. What about you? Are you ready to lay down your rights against those people who have wronged you and have caused you so much pain? I think there's three ways you can respond to this. There's three ways you can respond to, to the pain of the past. The first is to just deny it and pretend it hasn't happened. To live in the present. And when those unpleasant thoughts come, just to block them out. That might well work in the short term. The other option is to acknowledge that it's there. And just carry carry it around with you all the time. We see that happening to, to Saul in the Bible with his hatred for, for David. It becomes an obsession for him. Yeah. It becomes an obsession for him. Manya. <laughs> it becomes an obsession. It consumes him. And he chooses to bear that burden all the time. He can't imagine living without it. And he's always got a reason to explain it. He always has a rationale for why he has it. And I think that's something we can also do. We constantly choose to carry the burden with us and always have an explanation for why we have a right to have it. I tried to serve the church and no one appreciated me. That pastor, that leader, he didn't uh, give me the affirmation I needed. I invited that person five times to my house for dinner. They never invited me once. I cooked a beautiful Armenian or Persian meal for them and when I went to them, they gave me takeaway. We can joke, but I've heard really obsessive 
almost hatred come out of things as small as this. Sometimes they can be bigger and really quite understandable in many ways. But one way of dealing with it is, yeah, to just carry it around with you all the time. It's always there. You're always ready to talk about it. Whenever you hear that person's name... How can you run a race with endurance with that on your shoulders? You're not going to make it to the end. You're not going to finish strong. If you finish at all, it'll be because some you know, angel ambulance came and helped you to the end. You don't want to finish like that, or that kind of disgrace. <laughs> but the way God wants us to finish is to finish having made peace with these issues and finish having forgiven. How many times, Lord? How many times, Lord, shall I forgive my brother? Seven times? Jesus answers, 70 times, seven times. In other words, in other words you never stop forgiving. Forgiveness never stops. You forgive endlessly and always. And countlessly, you don't even do the maths on what 70 times 7 equates to. You forgive those people who have caused you the pain. And that is not natural and it's not easy and it's not normal. It's really not and it's a process. And it's something which requires an intentional decision and a proactive decision. You're intentional in the fact that you choose to live as if nothing has happened. Now that is not a normal, natural thing to do. It just, it's just not. And I'm not talking about the denial thing where you just pretend it hasn't happened, but just a complete freedom from it. And you forgive for that person's sake and for the sake of your relationship, but also for your own sake. Jesus forgave those who were crucifying him before he died. I wonder if part of the reason he did that was because if he didn't, maybe he would have been tempted by the sin of bitterness towards them. He had every right, far more than Joseph. He had every right to be so mad. And I wonder if he knew he has had to die a sinless death. I wonder if he forgave also to protect himself from being tempted by, by bitterness. So forgiving is also for your own sake. And we can't do it ourselves. We really do need 
the grace that comes from the cross of Christ. Pass on and dispense that to other people. It's a process. Sometimes it takes a long time before you can truly say, not only do I forgive that person, but I bless every aspect of their life. I bless their marriage, I bless their family, I bless their finances, I bless their ministry. But when we reach that point, we will have laid off the burden and we'll be running with endurance. We'll we'll be one step closer to finishing strong. Just the other thing, I mentioned two things I wanted to say. One was running free from the past. And the other, which um, I wanted to emphasize as a key for finishing strong, was living a generous life. Living a generous life. I think people who persevere to the end those Christians I've seen who have finished in an inspiring strong way have been generous people having a generous spirit is the opposite of the materialistic self-centered spirit that we see around us so much there's something about a generous lifestyle that that gives energy, that gives joy, that gives lightness. And if you're running a marathon, energy and lightness are big, uh, big attributes to have. Most people, most people think of generosity just in a material sense, in money terms. But I don't, I don't, I don't just mean that. I mean, it's, I mean a way of life. A life which gives away, a life which, which isn't about taking and accumulating, not just financially, but a life, a lifestyle, an attitude, a state of mind, which is about giving to others. And I think it's definitely one of the keys to finishing strong. So what do you give? First of all, I think God wants us to give of who we are. Give of our, per- our personalities, our gifts, our talents. Uh, whatever they might be. We read Barnabas was the, called the son of encouragement. He's someone who encouraged. And you see him out there encouraging everywhere. That's what he had to give. That's who he was. And he made it available. He didn't shut up just to, just to encourage himself. 
He didn't just choose to encourage himself. He made his encouragement available and accessible. Small things in scripture we read. We read that Paul says, Onesiphorus refreshed me constantly. Onesiphorus was always there with, with something that picked up Paul's spirits when he was in jail especially. Paul describing Timothy as someone who was always looking out for the welfare of others. Barnabas, Onesiphorus, Timothy were concerned about giving away of themselves. And we need to learn to give of our time. And being generous of our time really requires a lot of intentionality. And it's not something that's just going to happen because we're all extremely busy. And most evenings and most weekends, I'm very tired. And most weekends and most evenings, I don't want to do anything. And if I just give in to those emotions, I'm not going to be a generous person. So I need to intentionally set aside time and plan for ways I can make my time available for other people. And it intentionality to think and anticipate, to put yourself in the shoes of other people and say, okay, what does that person need? It takes effort to schedule time to meet needs. But I think God calls us to generosity of time. Not in comparison to other people. I think God ever compares people. But in proportion to the opportunities that you have to do that. Everyone's different. And God is a God who knows our lives and knows how much we can and cannot do. And that's something for you and God to figure out, Lord, realistically, what opportunities do I have with my life that you have given me now to give? And also, the material, God does call us to be generous with our finances. Again, not in comparison to others, but in proportion to and relative to the opportunities that we have personally. So I think a generous life is a life that energizes the Christian. It brings joy, it brings lightness, it brings, it brings a sense of satisfaction that 
a pastor of a church I sometimes attend said, think back on the time of your life when you were most fulfilled and most joyful and it's most probably a time in your life where you were actively, generously serving others. God delights just as we delight with Mesrop in his new life with a pain-free hip and leg. But his greater delight is in seeing us finish strong. So let's join with the writer of Hebrews and rid ourselves of the things which stop us running well. Free ourselves from pain from the past which holds us down and makes the run just so weary. Let's free ourselves from a self-centered life that doesn't include other people. That's a life that is really heavy. You don't want to run the race with that backpack on your back. Let's look to be generous as God wants us to be generous. And by His grace, with the community of believers supporting us and encouraging us in obedience to him through his word in disciplining ourselves we increase our chances several fold of finishing the race of life strong. Victorious conform to the image of Christ and in a way which glorifies God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, praise you, Father, that you are a God of new beginnings. You can transform a person and his life. But I praise you, Father, that your programs do not end there. You have superior goals for every one of us. To enable unworthy creatures like us to be like your son. Wonderful program. Father, we want to run this race powerfully and victoriously. Help us, Father, to be delivered from those burdens that 
and to carry on until the end. We ask for your help, for your glory in this. Anoint every one of us by the power of your Holy Spirit. So that we can go from here in your power and live for your glory this week. Amen. Amen.